Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process. I'm, of course, your host, Greg Wareham. We have a wonderful guest for you today, Mary Beth Olive. Mary Beth, welcome to the show. Hi, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to have you. <laughs> In person, yes. <laughs> so I've, we've known each other for over a decade. Yeah. And I appreciate you taking the time today. I know you're really busy. You get a lot of different balls in the air. <laughs> Would you mind giving a little bit of background about yourself? Sure. Uh, I am from New Jersey, born and raised, Jersey mm -hmm. girl. And I got into real estate in 2004. So I've been in real estate for about 19 years. Prior to that, I worked at a restaurant for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. Restaurant was a, a, like a a playing ground of, of lessons learned uh, to prepare you for anything in life. So I've been there before. I get yeah, it. Yeah, great talent comes from the restaurant business for sure. Yeah, Got good personalities, a lot of energy. Got to deal with a lot of different people and good. just the the customer service really is right. what restaurant and that service industry is. So I was in that and then I got into real estate for the last 20 years. And um, my journey in real estate has been interesting. For the first five years, I was selling real estate. I mm -hmm. had a real estate team. I aligned with the best company in the world. I was taught the right way to grow a team and grow a business and look at real estate as a business mm -hmm. and look at everything that it afforded us to do. And then what happened in 2008, I was faced with the opportunity to become a team leader of mm -hmm. an office. And that would mean that I stopped selling. And really, my main focus was helping the organization grow and ultimately growing through people and not my, my own business, sure. right? And you had a lot of success with that. I know you've had multiple offices. Well, yeah. Time. <laughs> um, that was a 15-year journey. Yeah. So that was 2008 until just more recently, until the pandemic, mm -hmm. really. And I started in Monmouth County. I was there for nine years. Um, that office grew tremendous and into three offices while I was there. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I went up in 2013, I went to Hoboken, New Jersey, mm -hmm. which is right outside of New York City. Most people know where that is. Sure. And uh, Hoboken, New Jersey and Jersey City, New Jersey, really hot metro Great market. Markets. Yeah. Um, you know, with that market really taught me how to uh, a vertical market. It was the first time I was working in a vertical market. Mm. Okay, explain that to mm -hmm. people. What do you mean by vertical market? Well, in Monmouth County, which Central Jersey, I was working more like rural developments, sure. main highways with uh, subdivisions, great school systems, uh, plenty of uh, shopping. Very right? suburban. Very suburban, and, and and I learned price per square foot a little differently. Sure. In that in that Monmouth Central 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 Jersey pocket, when I got the opportunity to go to Hoboken, it was more of you know tall buildings. Uh, different amenities in different buildings, doormen versus not, elevator versus stairs, the metro lifestyle, having a parking, you know, not having a car, not right. having a realtor, not the having the value a of a parking spot. <laughs> the fifty thousand dollars to a hundred thousand dollar value of a parking spot. Crazy. Yeah. So um, you know, that all price per square foot's very different. Mm -hmm. And the need to live right outside the city is is the reason for the high prices. Sure. And not necessarily the square footage that you're getting in the, the product that you, you own, right? right? Um, and then that also prepared me, not only was I in that metro market, that uh, vertical market, I also helped Brooklyn, mm -hmm. Brooklyn, New York, yep. restructure a bit. We, we grew that into a Staten Island office as well. Sure. So we launched our Staten Island. And then going back to the Jersey side, I was all the way down in Ocean County and Atlantic County right. and helped an owner there, which that taught me the barrier islands. That taught me um, second home market. Sure. 
right? Because we have a lot of people that will own a home, let's say in Philadelphia, and as their main home, but they will vacation in Sea Isle, New Jersey. Right. So they'll own it's a, a different clientele. It's understanding sure. that it's a lot of doctors come from Philly, go to sure. that part of uh, absolutely. And New Jersey. and so what I learned also there is that certain families have been visiting different barrier islands, different Jersey Shore islands mm -hmm. throughout the years, which then ultimately gives it its its culture. Yeah. You know, its culture, its feel, uh, you know, what what's offered on the islands. So that that to me was I didn't think I would learn as much as I actually did going mm -hmm. down South Jersey. It's just, it's it really you learn a lot about people. Yeah, you've, sure. been, you've been everywhere. I mean, you were up in the Wayne area. Yeah, you've been Wayne everywhere. was my last Wayne. one. Wayne yeah. was a really successful market center yeah. launch, honestly. Um, at that point, I felt like that was the last office that I launched for yeah. a new owner coming into Keller Williams Realty. And, you know, setting expectations that we were going to profit year one and putting all of the systems in place and then hiring to the roles inside of the organization. Yeah. I think that's part of the strength that I've... I've kind of, you know, got throughout the years of all the experience. Uh, and then the pandemic, then the right. pandemic happened. But with that last office, I started with like 52 agents yeah. and we grew it to almost 200. Yeah, that's fantastic. In like less than two I years. mean, you're an expert in that area. I have to say, when we had a marketing agreement on the mortgage side in yeah. Wayne, I walk into the office one day, Mary Beth is there. <laughs> it was there. I was like, this is a oh, home run. This office is going to be fantastic. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, so you're obviously, you're an expert in that area. So you've sold real estate. You still actively will sell property oh, real sure. estate, obviously. Yeah. You're an expert in, in the market centers and helping cultivate and develop all the detail that goes behind sure. that in recruiting the people. And now you're currently in a, in a role where you're managing a coaching program. Mm -hmm. sure. And I know you're also looking to open up another market center mm -hmm. in the Perth Amboy area. So given your expertise and the level of success that you've had, why do you, set, why do you come to coaching? What calls you about that? Well, you know, it's really interesting because when the pandemic hit, I was still in the team leader role. I was in Wayne. We had hit our number. We were the number one launch for 2019. I felt like, you know, we accomplished what we set out to do. And then this big pandemic happens. And we had to get different really fast, kind of like we're doing right now. Like yeah. Prior to the pandemic, there weren't all these podcasts and uh, video and just, yeah. right? Yep. So because of the pandemic, I had to do my job virtually, which meant I had to lead and motivate agents. I had to recruit agents. I had to help them produce. Uh, and then I also had a staff that I was leading as right. well. And so a lot of it went virtual. And I started to go, well, you know, I might as well just go live. Right. Let's just go live. And I started to say, well, during this time, we need to go back to basics. So what would the agents need to know? Why was I successful as a, as a new agent? Mm -hmm. And, you know, not to toot my own horn, I had the best mentors and I had the best training. Right. I really did. Uh, the person who brought me into the business literally, like, held my hand uh, in the first couple of years. Whatever I needed, Gina was always there for me. Right. So you do have to find that person. Um, but there was also something about me showing up and the information being available, and then me just taking action. Mm -hmm. So what started to happen was I went back to the basics, and there's a book called The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. Sure. It's I our red book. Yeah. I know it through and through. We started doing book clubs on it. There's another book called Shift, You know how to get mm -hmm. through ta tough times, 12 yep. tactics. The one that, thing's another great one. And then there's the, the one fantastic. thing, right? So the one thing is about prioritizing. Yeah. And so with those three books, I pretty much went virtual, I was pouring into 
my agents and then through my agents, I happen to get a whole audience of other agents right. because they're leaders inside of their real estate offices, whether it was within the organization or not, or not providing the training and the encouragement and the opportunity, the resources to plug in. Well, it's difficult though, mm-hmm. because when you're used to doing things in person, there's a certain amount of energy yeah. when you're delivering it in person. You're sure. an energetic person. I you am. know what I mean? <laughs> now to be able to take that in the midst of a, of a crisis and be able to take it virtually and still deliver it with energy that's engaging and interesting yeah. for people, it's a slightly different skill set that you have to adapt for to. For sure. And I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, Zoom is an amazing tool. Yep. That's the, the platform that I was using. Mm-hmm. And with all of the features, I was able to throw people in breakout rooms just as if we were to break off into a mastermind right. in, t- in a separate room. And so my point with that is I fell in love with, okay, why was I successful as a first year you know, first year out the gate, I did six figures in GCI, gross commission income. And then it just grew. Why was I successful? What was available to me? And there are classes that um, on a national and a regional level that we would also attend. Mm -hmm. And so then that became another passion of mine. I'm going to follow that suit. I'm going to be that trainer for these agents. And with coaching, you know, the offices started realizing we need people that will pour back into our agents. We've been focused on recruiting and bringing the people in the doors. Sure. And I honestly just didn't think we were doing a great job at the other part of we promised you we were going to deliver on training and coaching, and we kind of lost sight of that. Now, do you find that the value for in that that role, is it a personal value that you feel like you're helping people accomplish where they want to be? Well, okay. Is it a challenge? Like, what is it about it that draws you to it? I look at it like... I mean, I think we're in a generation, you and I are similar age, we're in a generation, we have working families, we didn't, you know, money wasn't a thing, Mm -hmm. where nobody came from money, I mean, there's a few of us that came from money, but I didn't come from money. We can outpour each other later. (laughs) (laughs) Right, we don't want to outpour each other anymore, but we all want to break those generational um, financial chains, right? And I would see people, and I'd go nationally, I'd see people like hit these amazing successful numbers, Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, what's different about them, right? Right. There's nothing different about them except for they're doing it more often, a little bit more, a little bit better, right. a little bit more, a little more focused. And um, and so, you know, I guess as a coach and as innately, I want really more for them what people want for themselves often. Right. right. Often I could look at somebody and say, man, they could have everything. They have this talent. They could talk to anybody. Um, you know, they're analytical, so they could really break yeah. something down. They're they look really, the part. All they, those yeah, things. They, yeah, they have everything going for them. So why aren't they doing it? Or I want to be that person that shows them that life could be different. You right. could have anything that you want if you put your mind to it. Um so you I, want a big picture on it. You want to have impact in I people's lives. I always have lives. a big picture. I will tell yeah. you from the beginning, um, the first red book, the MREA, yeah. the first red book that I ever had, and there's an exercise in it about the big why, and it yeah. makes you go deep as to why do you do what you do. And even back then in 2004, we could, we could identify that Mary Beth ticks when I help others. Right. Okay, when I help others now, that could mean, because we could talk a little bit about my philanthropic uh, side, I can see a brand new agent take a listing and get super um, fulfilled. I could see a mega agent, like I had a mega agent yesterday and something just clicked for him as I was talking about who we attract and who we need to surround ourselves with so that we can achieve what we need to achieve sure. and that they could achieve what they need to achieve. And sometimes it means letting some people go. 
Right. Right. So that aha moment for that agent, that was fulfilling to see that agent at that level get something of value from me that's probably going to change his life. You know what? And there's more, and you get more value out of that personally than you do selling your own piece of real 100%. estate. A hundred percent. And yeah. and even more so is it could be, and I'll take it to the philanthropic side, is, yeah. you know, my family and I, my father's past, uh, it'll be 10 years, it'll be 10 years this year. Um I'm sorry, 11 years this year, my dad's gone. Mm. And prior to him passing, we would feed the community every last Tuesday of the month in Perth Amboy, which is, yeah. you mentioned Perth Amboy. I am opening an office in Perth Amboy, a market yeah. center. We currently have an office there. Um, but I was drawn... I was just going to say, with you and your dad, yeah. so you're feeding people every yeah. week. What did that look every like? Every last Tuesday. Oh, I'm sorry, every, every last Tuesday. Mm -hmm. What did that look like? Like, what's that mean? So that looked like back in the day when Mary Beth was the team leader of Marlboro, yeah. right? So I have to finish up at 5 o'clock. Now the feeding starts at 6 in a different county. So every last Tuesday of the month, everybody in my world, whether it was through my offices or my friends, families, I used Facebook a lot, um, I would just let them know, hey, we're gonna be feeding the community, we are gonna do tacos. Yeah. So we're, we're looking to raise X amount of dollars or we need shells and we, and, and I think it's about giving people, um, you know, giving people the opportunity to sew in. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are looking to impact others, but they just don't know like what organization yeah, or what should what I do. do. Right. So I just really started being a little open with it. Like, hey, you want to come bring the soda? But, you, you know, there's a good point with that as well. A lot of people feel the need to do something like that. But you know what? Need with no action yeah. has no value. No. Right. Well, we can all feel empathetic towards it, yeah. but that doesn't do anything. Actually taking the action to do something makes all the difference in their lives. Well, if I could tell you... Uh how I, I couldn't tell you I could not tell you how many people that we have impacted from yeah. feeding on the last Tuesday of the month since 20 2008 right, 2008 it will you figure five years from now it'll be 20 years that my family is doing this with mm. my church now and we have seen people go from homeless to fully employed and in you know with shelter renting sure. happy you know, it's more about the happy children that come through that yeah. then we're able to help their mom with, with food, right? Yeah. Because we get tons of food donations. Right. So we make care packages every week. So the mom yeah. doesn't have to spend the extra $100 on the food that we sure. get. Um, so even to that point is it's very fulfilling to watch somebody go from here to here. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same it, way in your professional life. Absolutely. Right? Same it doesn't matter. Here here, it doesn't matter life. if, you know, if I can help you get to that next level and I was part of it and, you know, but it's not as rewarding when, when you don't see them, they, they do it. They have to do it. Yeah. They have to want it yeah. and um, feel, feel like achieved. I'm yeah. going to come back to the philanthropic stuff because I know you have a lot of other things going on as well. Can we look at things from a coaching standpoint, because mm -hmm. that's your passion to sure. build and help others. You know, why do people need coaching? Well, I've always had multiple coaches. And if you go back to the one thing book, yeah. we have different circles in our life, sure. right? We have physical, we have financial, we have relationships, you know, and so on. Health. You really should have a coach in all of those areas of life. Separate and coaches for everything. Separate coaches. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't, I don't think that, you know, my pastor, well, I, I know my pastor is not the guy I'm going to work out with for sure. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, I love my pastor, but me and him are always trying to help each other work right. out. Right. So he's not going to be the finance, the, he's not going to be the financial coach. He's not going to be my physical coach. He's my spiritual coach. Sure. Right. And for some people, 
you may say like, I don't, I don't have a financial coach. Well, mm -hmm. you can seek that out. You could be listening to gurus and masters that are out there with podcasts and YouTubes and all that, you know, until you do have somebody in your physical circle that you can call your financial, um, you know, mentor, uh, now, coach. For, yeah, so you, you have that, and you can listen to different things. Yeah. Like, and to, that's one beautiful thing yeah. about today's day and age. There's so many different avenues yeah. you can go to get that type of mentorship. Mm -hmm. When you look at it from a real estate standpoint, like why does a real estate agent, a real sure. estate team, why do they need coaching? Well, I believe it all starts with the mindset. It's right. the six-inch market, right? I mean, some have bigger foreheads, but it's, yeah. it's that six-inch market. My daughter says I gave her my big forehead. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a little well, sketchy on that one, but so, anyway. <laughs> so I, I, I believe that the mindset is so important to just have somebody in your corner, somebody yeah. that's holding you accountable, somebody you're willing to be accountable to. Um, in business, it's no different than in the gym. It's no yeah. business. It's no different than, uh, you want to lose 30 pounds mm -hmm. and how are you going to do that? Well, there's, there's, there's going to be certain things that are going to take you to a certain level. And you're going to need to break through. Eventually you're going to probably have to get a personal trainer Sure. and that personal trainer, what do they do? They hold you accountable to show up to your personal training sessions. They measure. And so a lot of times we don't do that for ourselves. So in business, yeah. what I find is Either agents are running so hard in one direction that they just have blinders on and they're not going to maybe right. see those blind spots. They're just not objective to what's yeah, they're going not, on. They're yeah, they're not. They're uh, not. And so that's where a coach really comes into play. Sometimes it's a market that's challenging. That mm. it's a mind. You got to go back to the basics. Go back to mindset. Mm -hmm. um, and and also I find that if you have a really great coach, you don't leave that coach. My right. first coach I had in the real estate uh, recruiting world, I kept him for nine years. Mm. Was I pretty successful at opening offices? You were and pretty good at it. Okay. We went <laughs> you were deep. Above average. <laughs> I was a little above average. Team Leader Hall of Fame. I don't mind I saying know, that. I know. There's not many people that did it. I, yeah. I mean, I've dedicated my my career right. to being a team leader and being a servant leader yeah, to our agents and our leadership. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I just well, you know what? So when I haven't been someone that's coached people and hired people and a lot of people over the years, one of the challenges that I've always found is some people just aren't receptive to coaching. Oh, no. I mean, and listen, I have one agent that literally I visited one office the other day and he said, I am uncoachable. Don't even look at me. I said, you are uncoachable. I know you for almost 20 years. I am not even trying. Yeah, I'm trying. And some people are. And they, they get in their own way. Right. right? But they also... Some people are complacent. A lot yeah. of people are complacent. They get comfortable. They're fine with it. And they don't want to get pushed out of that comfort zone. No, they don't zone. want to get pushed out of comfort zone because that would mean change. That would mean that something right. would be disrupted. Yeah. Maybe I won't be able to go to my breakfast meeting on Thursdays with, right. you know, with the guys. Or, or, yeah. And that might be disruptive. But the, the reality is, if you don't have a great coach in your life, you will settle for whatever life is giving you at some point. Right. At some point you go, ah, you know what? I do what I do. I get what I get. I'm good. Yeah. And it's like, well, well, what if you did more? Well, you, what if you wanted something bigger? What happens when grandkids come right. in? What happens when, you know, life changes? Yeah, you're just kind of sitting in that box yeah. thinking. And you bring up a great point about change. Like, I would agree with you. The reason the people aren't receptive to it, they don't like change. No. And I think that change, for whatever reason in our culture or society, it's been associated with something negative. Negative. Right? Oh, my God, I don't want to change. Don't want to change. Change is bad. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the upbringing. I don't know what We're it is. We're constantly changing, right? That's what we do. We're, We're humans. Growing. We're evolving. As, as we grow, we change, right? Yeah. And we change. I'm, I'm married. You're married, yeah. right? 
we're, we're constantly changing. Now you have two people that are changing yeah. that are united as one. We're not just going to break off. We got to learn from each other. We got to keep growing with each other. Absolutely. And I probably substitute the word change as we're talking about. I'm thinking evolve. Mm. Like how evolve. do we get people to evolve? Yeah. Evolve right? means forward, right? Yeah. Change could be morphing negatively. Oh God, change. Oh, I, I can't change. <laughs> the ice cube could change like the water. <laughs> oh, I like that. Right. So, or the water could change the ice cube, right? So either way. That's true. So what are some of the pitfalls associated with people that are looking for coaching from all your experience, people getting coached, where do they kind of fall short? Oh, I can't afford it. Yeah. Well, you can't afford not to afford, afford it. Afford what? Right? right. You can't afford not to afford it. Uh, for what a coach costs in your life, mm. I think by a financial planner, you pay a financial planner, Yep. right? Um, you pay a coach to physical fitness. You get, you get why you'd pay a coach in the gym. Sure. So isn't that interesting and not to mm -hmm. zoom off on a tangent, but you get it when it comes to something that has physical mm -hmm. differences, you can feel the it's need like to pay for it. Right? Yeah, right. You got tangible tangibility. Versus intangible. Yes. So intangible is I see you a year later and I go, Greg, you're a different person. I don't know what it is about you. You got a new coach, right? Because I can tell <laughs> something's happening in here yeah. internally and then it's coming outside. Right. The, the change doesn't happen on the outside. When you see somebody changing on the outside to try to change the inside, it's never going to work. Such it's never going to connect. It's not authentic. It's not genuine. I think that's another thing is genuine and authentic, right? If you don't show up as yourself in, in, mm. in everything you're doing, yeah. people are going to find you out. You know, you know it's, <laughs> it's funny. I've had the same coach for 20 years. Wow. He's great. Uh, he's just obviously. Awesome. You know, they become part of your family they over do. the course of time because you have that type of intimate relationship sure. with them. And if something were to happen wrong right now, wouldn't he be one of your emergency calls? Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, he used to say to me early on in the process, because, you know, in my early 30s, I wasn't as malleable, malleable, <laughs> I am today. Ooh, that's a good word. But he used to say it starts from within, right? So your default mechanism, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on external things. I'm going to do my hair different. I'm going to brush my teeth different. I'm going to start, start working out. Yeah, right? whatever it is. Well, now working out gets, gets into the mind. It's not totally. the actual physical part that's really doing the work in the beginning. It's, it's the mindset. Absolutely. How it's how you feel. And that goes everything. to point far, right? Um, well, I'll talk about that in a second. Well, and you got to, <laughs> the change always starts from within. Yeah. And that's the only way you're going to change anything in your life is through within. So, so to point far, which is P-T-F-A-R, point okay. far, it, it starts with our programming. So if our programming, and we just talked about how we both were raised with not a lot of, you know, big money conversations. Well, our programming yeah. is, we don't talk about money. I don't know about money. I know nothing about money. I'm ignorant to money. That's mm. my programming. Right. So if I want to become wealthy, I want to leave a legacy I got to learn about money. I got to learn how money works. I got to, yeah. I got to start to learn that. And you got to be comfortable talking about it. Yeah. Because we did grow up in those type of households where you didn't talk about money. Sure. Not that you but had any, but you still didn't talk And we have to it. identify that the programming is what is actually getting us to think the way we think. So mm -hmm. point is programming to thinking, right? And then yeah. the thinking makes us feel. Right. When we start thinking, when we feel, and the only time we ever take any action is when we feel it. Right. We feel it, and then af after we take the action, then we get the results. Mm. We all want the results, but we don't want to go back to like, okay, let's understand that my programming. So if you have a challenge with the programming, what is going to help you? A coach is going to help you. A coach right. is going to help you identify that, understand 
hmm, how do I see things? Maybe I need to look at different things. Maybe they would connect you with certain people mm -hmm. to see it through their eyes, to experience it differently, so that you could start to have different programming around a you certain know, One topic. of the things I've experienced from coaching and from coaching others is most people, they don't even understand what it is they need to be coached about. Mm -hmm. they, have, uh, they have a lack of that introspective thinking because you're not trained to do sure. it, right? You don't know. And they don't even know what direction to go in. Well, and there's a difference between coaching and training. Yeah. And so in our real point. estate yeah. industry, a lot of people will be like, well, coach, tell me what to do. Right now, the coach is supposed to call the play, right? right. Coach calls the play. But if I tell you, uh, Greg, call 20 people today. Mm -hmm. I, okay. You walk away. Okay. But if I have you self-discover that in order to get what I really want, I got to call 20 people today. Maybe make it 30. Right. Like, the feel, again, to your point. I can show it. you what it needs yeah. to look like. I could show you the plays. But the coaching aspect of it is me having a conversation with you so that you can realize what you need to do and then help you designing the plan and then holding you accountable to it. So weekly, it's not going to be like, okay, Greg, now you need to go do this. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, Greg, check it in on you. How many calls did you make? Did you get on those appointments? What got in the way, Greg? How are we going to get those things not in the way next week? You bring week? up such a good point with planning. And the thing that popped into my head immediately were, were plays, right? So if you're on a football team, right. as an example, these are some seriously constructed plays that are on paper 100%. that they're looking at saying, hey, here's how we got to implement. We got to block. We got to tackle. We got to do this. We got to sure. do that. It's the only way to have a successful play. Sure. But yet somehow in our own lives, we don't take that same time and discipline to do the exact same thing. Draw it What's out. the draw it out? What's it look like? Let me write it well, down. What's the you know how and, do and we? And it can't just be on paper, right? You no. got to go and practice it. Absolutely. How many times did you practice the play before Jimmy actually caught the ball? Such a good point, right? Yeah. Um, how many times did you practice the play before Jimmy realized? Oh, I, I'm supposed to go that way and then this way as soon as I see the movement because it's not. It also has to be a little fluid. I couldn't agree with you more. And it's not just, it just doesn't come to you. It's about repetition mm -hmm. in st strategy sure. and, you know, understanding what you're trying to accomplish and how you're going to specifically go sure. about doing it. Sure. Like even driving a car. If I told you you have to drive straight, make a right. Well, if a, if a car is coming at you, are you going to swerve out of the way? Or are you just going to be like, no, she told me I got to go straight. <laughs> I mean, I still need you to say this yeah. is, yeah. No, um, that's a great point. But as far as the fulfillment that you get when you see other people, you know, rise it's and it's, it's, that is, uh, that's why we do it. I, I believe that's why we do it as a leader. That's why we do it. And the other side of the journey has been developing other leaders too. Right. Um, I am a coach of coaches mm -hmm. and I have coached agents business to coaches, but at the end of the day, the people that it doesn't matter where they're at in the organizational chart, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm developing leaders. Now, do you find it more difficult or easier to coach leaders versus coaching individuals? I love leaders. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you're more, it's more relatable to you at this well, stage. Well, and talent pushes. Yeah. So it's I'm challenging. I like the challenge. Yeah. I'll get bored if it, you know, so uh, leaders, here's why I like leaders though. I'm a big fan of John Maxwell. Yeah. And he has a book called The Five Levels of Leadership. Yeah, I read it. And Right? Yeah. Good guy. Uh, we want to change the world. I mean, I want to change the world. Yeah. I have a big vision change the world. And the way you change the world, you can't do it all on your own. In my lifetime, there's not, I'm not going to be able to do as much as I would like to do. Sure. How do I get to do more? Leverage. Leverage. Yeah. I, I have to sell a vision. I have people buy into it. I pour into them. I ask them to 
keep that relationship re relationship reciprocal and uh, and then we could do so much more together. Yep. You got 12 soldiers out there. 12 soldiers can actually go create 12 each. Now you got 144. I mean, it could just blow up yeah. and now you have people working towards goals in their purpose. Yep. Being fulfilled. And you've just become, you've become a multiplier. Yeah, a multiplier, right. Right? Exactly. There's a really a great multiplier. book. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I forget. I've read, I've read a There's bunch a of them. multiplier, and then the other one is, I forget what that is, but I'm definitely the multiplier. <laughs> <laughs> you are. So, Mary Beth, we're going to take a quick break. Yeah. We'll be right back at you. Mary Beth Olive, Greg Wareham, Your Mortgage Process. We'll be back with you in two minutes. All right, let's go back into leading leaders. Okay. So, when you look at I know it's different, right? It's different in how you lead and inspire leaders. What's What do you enjoy so much about it? Well, I enjoy the energy that I get back from them, to yeah. be honest. I, I, you know, we were talking a little bit about leading leaders versus leading non-leaders, right. right? There's brand new people that get into the business that we're just not sure if they're leaders. They're, they haven't had enough time to develop. We haven't given them enough mm -hmm. opportunities. I will take those people all day long and cultivate and help them create good habits and mm -hmm. show them where they can grow inside of the industry and they will choose if they're going to be a leader. Sure. And when I have somebody who is a leader and what is it what, like, how do I know that they're a leader? Right. Right. They show up, they're engaged. They have a schedule. Mm -hmm. Right. When I say they're prepared, gonna, they're prepared. They, right. they write things down. Like right. I feel a little empty handed right they now. They pay attention. Right. <laughs> they pay attention, but they plug in and they're engaged yeah. and they're willing to be part of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, they they're also positive. have, huh? yeah. they're positive. They're positive yeah. about things in that they don't have to be optimistic about everything, right. but let's come solution based. Yes. Let's not come with the, the, million, the million problems. Cause I could tell you that we have about a million problems today too. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I could yeah. just also come to the conversation and say, you know, I noticed this, these were two things I was thinking. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Right. That's a leader who's going to help me solve problems quack, quicker. So we could just get on, get on the road with things. Right. You know, what's interesting too, with leadership that, that, that I've learned from mm -hmm. managing leaders as well it's okay if you're not a leader. You just need to recognize it. Like people think that they want to be leaders, right. but not everybody's a leader. And I, I'm not a believer in, some people are born to be a certain way, Sure. but I think <laughs> leaders, it's an acquired skill. It's a, an acquired paradigm sure. as to how you're going to act. And you know what? If you're not a leader, that's okay too. Go be a mega producing real sure. estate agent or mortgage person. Well, and even with that, you know, I see there's still leaders that come in all, like that John Maxwell has another book called yeah. The 360 Degree Leader, which mm. doesn't matter where you are in the organization, you can always be leading someone. Right. And be careful because you are always leading someone. If you're, if you're the brand new agent sitting in a room with other brand new agents and you're the loudest out there, yeah. I got a guy named Keith. Yep. He's awesome. And I'm glad that he's the leader of that room because yeah. he's doing the right things. Sure. But he's the leader of the new agents in that room because he shows up that way. Sure. So um, you could recognize leader. You could recognize leader in children. You it's know true. who's leading. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, you find them doing something. Why are you guys doing this? Oh, because King said to. Right. Oh, okay. That was a great <laughs> idea. Right? So here's the other thing about leaders, though. Um, they want to be led. Right. I'm a leader. What I find is lacking sometimes is that you see a leader and you're like, oh, they're good. They're, they're good. They don't need us. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing that somebody like myself or you wants is to be part of something that we're constantly growing. We yeah. have a coach. Somebody cares to do our assessment. 
right? So we can yeah. keep learning. Yeah. So leaders love learning and leaders continue to grow. And you make such a great point with that because the other thing, if you're a leader and you're not getting that, you're I've unhappy. You know, I've you're, been there 100% you and to... I'm very vocal because I'm not really shy. Yeah. I couldn't tell. I would go to those owners as I was traveling throughout. Yeah. And a lot of times I'm coming in with all of the skills of, I know how to do this. You're brand new to this organization. So they're coming, looking at me like, you know, I'm the leader. Right. Well, yes, I'm the leader here, but you're also a leader. And yeah. so you need to do your part. You got this franchise for a reason. Mm -hmm. So start pouring into me as your CEO leader right. so that I could be even better. Right. And a lot of times I wouldn't get that. A lot of times that we get people to shy away thinking, you know, she's fine. She'll do. And, mm -hmm. you know, I had to literally ask for. The, you want to be challenged. I had to be, I had you want to build. You want to yeah. grow. You want to be challenged. And, and they will ask. That's the other thing. They will ask. They will push. They will challenge. Mm. And it just makes the end product that much more. Because when you have people in your worlds that just are, you know, yes, ma'am. Yes, man. Whatever you want. It's your, I, I challenge my idea. It's not the best sure. idea. I'm bringing, we, we would, a leader will bring you an idea, right? An, an idea to an eight mm -hmm. and then hand it over to somebody to fine tune it and bring it up to a 10. Sure. Right. So, um, you know, I'm and as a leader to that point, you have to be objective. Yes. Your answer is not the right answer. No. You know, and it's you have how to be do okay we, with the criticism. You do get the constructive feedback. Yeah. Right? And, and because that's what makes it. you better. Exactly. Grow from it. Got to be in a growth-oriented mindset yeah. with the leaders around. And, uh, you know, if something is said, there's going to be truth to it somehow. Right? right? If you said something to me and I go, oh, I really don't agree with that. I don't think that, you know, oh, you're very this, or I don't really agree with that. Well, I have to know that there's something that Greg saw that mm. he feels that way, so it's valid to him. Right. As a leader... I need to stop, slow down, and question it. Stay curious, yeah. and get to the get to the, get to the source of it, so that we can move on, we can grow, and we could be in alignment again. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking while you're saying that, I'm thinking you got two different paradigms on that as how you're attacking that. Be like, oh my gosh, and Greg disagrees again with something. Yeah, and you can have that approach. Yeah, or you can have the approach of, huh, I wonder why. Yeah. And well, then asking the questions to get to the heart of it so you can grow as the person even asking the yeah. questions. Yeah, and when you mature in leadership, you'll want to make sure Greg's in the room. Right. Right? You know, so the ones that shy away from, oh, Greg in that room, Greg's going to start asking all those tough questions yeah. and take up more time. Yeah. That, that's not leadership. I want Greg in the room because you know what? Greg's probably going to speak the minds of some other people that are not willing to say what Greg is going to say, mm -hmm. and it's going to make us better. Yeah. So to put a bow on it, you know, being in a coaching relationship, even if it's not one that is structured, you know, sure. it could be it could be that you and I are talking about something and I have a coaching moment with you or you have a coaching moment with me. Um, but being in a coaching relationship is ultimately going to make everybody better. Yeah. And if it's not, then it's probably the wrong coach. You yeah. know, if it's not and you're not finding that you're succeeding, it, it could be that it's the wrong coach. It could be the wrong time and it could just be you. Sure. You could, Absolutely. You know, so. And frequently it can be. You know, I've, I've, yeah. when you have self-reflection on it, right? Sure. You, you always have to say where my DNA is. Yeah. Where is my DNA I on I like this? that. Yeah. yeah. That's something that Adele would always say. Where is your DNA on your it? DNA. Do I have a bias with this? Yeah. And really being yep. able to be objective about it. Yep. What could have I done differently? Yep. And those are the things. And, and as, you know, a student of this for so long, 
have great questions. Like as a leader, I tell, have great questions. If, if I were to sit down and I just interviewed Adele, at, um, who is our operating principal sure. for the Keller Williams offices, and uh, she said, oh, you have good questions. And I said, well, I was always trained by you and John Maxwell to always have my questions as a leader that if I were to get the opportunity to sit with you, Right. To sit with this person, to sit with John Maxwell. Sure. What questions would I ask him? A great leader has great questions. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be that you have so many different questions for every single person. Mm -hmm. You have certain go-to questions. Like, yeah. what was your biggest failure and how did you, how'd you get out of it? Right. What was your biggest success? What did you learn from it? Right. You know, who, did you, who did you identify as a mentor when you were young in the business? Why? Right. right. You know? So those are things that you could be asking at any time, just learning. And then I would encourage people that... Uh, you know, in any industry, you know, you see the guy who's got an ice cream shop and the line is literally down the street. What's he doing right? Yeah. Yeah. You bring up something really good with, with leaders and asking the questions. Leaders are learning based. For sure. They are learning based and figuring out how they can do it better. So you, you ask those questions and you have genuine interest yep. in what the response is and what you can learn and what you can grow from. You know, what's the number one piece of advice that you would give somebody that is looking at being in coaching or someone that's currently trying to coach other people? Mm -hmm. So you mean on the coach side or you mean somebody who on wants... The, on the coach side. On the coach side. Uh, well, first of all, <laughs> are you coachable? <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I've dealt with coaches that are not coachable and that's a challenge in itself. Yeah. Because you're modeling, right? You're always modeling mm. for the person that you're, you're working with for under, you're just modeling. So if you're not hitting your numbers, if you're not coachable, if you don't do the activities or have not done the activities, right? Yeah. Uh, 20 years later, I'm not lead generating for listings daily because that's not what my focus is. Mm -hmm. Uh, if I was a real estate agent building a real estate sales team, that would be my number one job is to be lead generating for listings. Sure. So if I'm a, um, a coach, I need to have had that experience or yeah. understand what that is, that what that is. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's a great answer mm -hmm. for it. So if you're, if you're a coach, you want to be a coach, the biggest question you got to ask yourself, am I coachable? Are am coachable? I coachable? And show me your zebra stripes. Right. You know, we, we do a... Um, something called career visioning. Yeah. Right? So I might spend two hours with a coach and ask them to tell me about when they got out of college, what did they do? Or right. when they were in high school, what was their first job? And I'll, I'll write it down. Okay, well, what did you earn? What were the highs of that job? What were the lows of that job? Mm -hmm. and, and why did you leave? Okay, and then where'd you go? Right. Okay, then we did this. And how many years did you do this for? And if you literally go through that and you take somebody from high school or college down out to now, right. you'll start to see their story. Their story will evolve. And you'll realize that's what I mean by zebra stripes. You know, zebra yeah. stripes are not going to change. Right. Um, you'll start to realize similar words, similar time frames. Like yeah. I'm a three-year girl. Yeah. Every three years, I'm like a little bored. I got something else. <laughs> um, I thought it was seven. <laughs> no, no, it's three. It's totally three. It's three. I'm like a seven guy. No, no, no. no. So you're like, what am uh, I doing? <laughs> but so three years, because it, it takes about 18 months for me to build something, right? Then right. the next 18 months is to, to reap the rewards and see the fruit. Sure. By then I'm like, okay, what else am I doing? What's next? Where's the next mountain? Right. But when you do that career visioning, you get to see somebody's zebra stripes, somebody's natural. Here's how you flow. Do you see that you were a leader throughout the whole time? Right. Do you see that you were the number two guy the whole time? Because as you said, the number two guy... Could, is a real great leader to everybody under 
number two. No question. Right? Um, And so I just... Yeah, that's that's great, Mary. Uh, people are people are just gonna. You can't expect people to really change so much either. No. Uh, the times I do see that change is as life happens, right? Yeah. There's a death in the family. There's mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a job relocation. You move to a totally different area. Certain times things can really change, but I mean, after we're eight, we're pretty much developed of who we're gonna be. It's true. So we just got to work with what we got. <laughs> I love with the zebra stripes, you kind of break that down. It comes yeah. back again. I got to be able to understand people. Yeah. To understand where you've been, where you're going, or where you've been so I can help you get where you're going. Right. Right? And being able to ask the right questions to kind of yeah. get to the root of that and doing it in a fashion that's okay with the person that you're talking right. to. Right? It's that's, intrusive and it, they have to be vulnerable and willing to open up. Yeah. And yet if you are a little vulnerable with them, Right. I think that's what I I tend to do. Share a little bit about myself, my journey, maybe some struggles I've had. That's going to make you open up a little bit more. You're going to realize, oh, she's not like a superhero. She had it, too. She went through it, too. We've all gone through it. We all go through it. It's being genuine with people. Absolutely. Right. You got to be you have to be empathetic and you have to be genuine people and have a certain amount of humility with anything that you're attacking. And I would just say that um, for me. If I'm going to coach you or you're going to be a coach for me. I need to know that you have some vision. I need to know that you have some big goals, that you have big whys, that you're mm. attached to something way bigger than just, you know, paying the bills. Right. Because I do know that you won't do this job well if you don't have something that you're attached to. Because yeah. this is a, a rejection business. This is a this is a business. And a lot of people, if you're looking for a job, mm-hmm. you know, you can be an assistant to one of the loan officers or you could be an assistant to an, a real estate agent or mm-hmm. work for the office and get a job with a salary. Sure. But if you want the opportunity of what loans and s- selling homes sure. like really can offer you. Yeah. Um, it, speak, yeah, it speaks to whether or not you're entrepreneurial or you're yeah, not. Yeah, I need to know what, what are you attached to. Why are you doing this? Why? Yeah. Because what's going to get you through those tough times? Right. What am I going to be able to coach you towards to say the pain is much bigger or the pleasure is much bigger yeah. than this? And this market's a great example of that. Yeah. You know, it's got to be bigger yeah. than making money. You know, at the end um, of the day. I mean, the end product is people want to make money. You got to support your family, but, but, but why? Why are you doing it? Yeah. And a lot of times so. I just think the pain is not painful enough and unfortunately that is when people find the need to reach out for a coach when it just gets too bad yeah makes sense and i'm just going to encourage everybody don't do that (laughs) just just get a coach immediately right when you get into the business it's it's well do it the right way right thanks for sharing that i want to come back for a minute to some of the philanthropic things that that you're doing so you own a house and is it in the perth amboy area yes we my my husband and i own uh, a couple homes in perth amboy Mm -hmm. but the one i think that you're speaking of is a large home it's an older home and it is used as a transitional faith-based home and and talk about that a little bit uh okay so we bought the home in 2015 Mm -hmm. i'm pretty passionate about my profit share, which is a, a, a residual that comes in my company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was told by the first CEO of KW, Mo Anderson, to go make a lot of money and then do good with it. Right. So I've always looked at the profit share, which is passive, as uh, I'm going to give back with that. Sure. And the first thing I did was it started to amount in an account. And I said, well, you know, my father and I had been feeding the community of Perth Amboy for mm-hmm. all of those years from t- 2008 to 2015. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, 
one of the things I didn't tell you about that is upstairs from where we do the feeding, there is a transitional home for men. Mm -hmm. And so there we have 16 beds and it's a recovery program Mm -hmm. for addiction, um, addiction or prison. And we have 16 beds with men. And so when we're feeding, they come downstairs, they get the food. You know, we're always like loving on them, bringing them clothes up. And then I would realize, you know what, the other people that come through, there's a lot of women and children. Mm-hmm. So I was starting to see the other side of it, right? Sure. So, and it doesn't always have to be the man, it could be the woman, and then the guy's left with the kids. Sure. But when one person goes down in a, in, a, in a family, the other one's left holding, you know, holding the bag and yeah. the kids and yeah. everything else. So I started to say, there's really not a lot for women, you know, resources, shelter. Right. And, so I went and I found a house. Um, it's 4,500 square feet. It has six bedrooms. It mm-hmm. has three bathrooms. It's on a half acre. And it was owned by a church. Mm-hmm. And uh, we decided to make it a faith-based women's home. So we, we operated from 2015 until just recently, 2023, eight years. We had 40 families through. Um, more than that in children, probably about 55 children or so, uh, lived in the house for a year or more. To help them get them back on their feet. Oh my goodness, yeah. I yeah. mean, I had children that I took out of foster care that I was the personal um, guardian. Yeah. Bringing them to school for the grandma. I had uh, a young girl and her twins that we got out of living out of, out of a car. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got her back on her feet and she wound up providing housing for children after our house. Um, I mean, there's just so many stories of people just getting their lives back together through our house. And then just most recently in 2013, uh, 2023, we we saw a real need for the graduates of that men's program. Mm -hmm. So what we were finding was the men were coming out of that program and then they have to go back into society. Sure. And that would leave them in... Chaos. Yeah, back where they came from. Yeah in the environments that caused the addiction, right? So um, just recently in March, we did change it over. The women have left, and now we have graduate men that are living in the home. Trying to help rehabilitate them, get them back They all have jobs. They're all doing amazing, and they're a blessing to the ministry, so... Uh, that's wonderful. That's yeah, great work that you I doing. mean, you know, that actually there's a there's a um there's a, a pantry that is in our city. Yeah. And that property also is the garden for the food pantry. Yeah. So we're great. still letting them use the land there for that. And because of that, um, and I have a love for Africa. Yeah. And it's like totally left field, but I have a love for Africa. My husband and I um bought two acres of farmland okay. in Africa. Um, with is the purpose to, to feed people? To feed and also to supply, um, you know, salary for the women that work at the, we have a care center okay. in Tanzania, Africa called Salama Center. That's wonderful. Yeah. So we, we have about 40 children that we help go to school and give them an extra meal. And so that farm actually provides meals for those families and, um, and some profits. Now, can people families. make donations to yeah. that? What would be the best way to donate well, to one of those causes? Um, so I have a nonprofit called Sheltered Hearts. Okay. Can kind you of go marrying to... the both, like shelter, house. Yeah, I hearts. love it. Yeah. Um, shelteredhearts.org. Okay. But um, they could just find me on Facebook. Facebook would be the best. Facebook, Mary Beth Olive, and um, in Venmo. There's all sorts of ways to get. So if someone wanted to get more information about, gosh, real estate, coaching, market center builds, philanthropic things, helping people that need help, <laughs> 
Yeah, what's the best way to reach out to? Is it through social media? Yeah, the best way to reach out to me, I would say, is either through Instagram or through Facebook mm -hmm. or through the cell phone. I mean, a text message is going to get to me the fastest. What's your cell phone number? My cell phone number is 908-675-5168. And what's your Instagram handle? Uh, that would be a question I don't know. <laughs> I think it's MB underscore Olive or something like that. It's yours. You don't need it's to know It's mine. It. I don't know. You'll find me. Don't and worry. And I'm sorry, could you give the website again? For the nonprofit. Uh, the, well, the website is shelteredhearts.org. Shelteredhearts uh, that's wonderful, org. Mary Beth. Yeah. Well, we can't wait to start doing some things with yeah. you as it relates to your nonprofit. Yeah. And I thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you today. so much. Uh, it was great. So if you need something, call Mary Beth. She knows everything there is about <laughs> the different levels of real estate. She's got great non-profits going on. I want to thank everyone for listening to us today. Mary Beth Olive, Greg Wareham from Your Mortgage Process. Look forward to catching up with you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching up with you next week.